Parker, you're happy. Well, I mean, I don't want to say this on live radio, but I'm going to. Your choice of music occasionally. See, it ain't great. It ain't great. We can't talk about that because, well, because there's you no music on the podcast. People are going, what are you guys talking about? There's no music on the podcast. I played a song at the start of the radio show, 1159 by Blondie, because it's you, 1159. You their bus one time. I did not drive their bus. <laughs> See, that's just stupid. <laughs> they were looking for bus drivers. And... <laughs> Hey, and a young Jeff Blair raised his hand and said, I'll drive the bus. <laughs> I drive the bus in this freaking show. Ah, good one. Not really. Good and, one. And I don't mean that. Anyhow, people don't people don't care about that. Uh well, we are now 12 hours and 58. You made it six minutes without seven minutes. A reminder, a reminder, a reminder, a reminder that if you are listening to this podcast on Thursday, we'll be on Sportsnet 590 the fan from 10 to noon on Thursday, 10 to noon on Friday as well. So with all that labor stuff happening, we'll, we'll, we'll have it covered. So if you're sitting here listening yeah. to a podcast at like, I don't know, 1, one thirty in the morning, and if you are, thank you. Uh, but if you are doing that, you're going, why aren't these, why aren't these you know, idiots talking about the lockouts? Because the show was a little earlier. Got Let me ask you hours. a question. Yes, sir. Since you've, you, since you've covered, how many of these you covered? Lockouts? Whatever this, you said, five. Uh, you said five. No more than that because my first year was eighty nine. So Enough. one, two, three, about about six cunt CBA negotiations. Whenever you hear that players come with a proposal, yep, it lasts thirty minutes. Doesn't matter. And me. then they went. What's that? Mean? That's fine. Tell I, fans what that means. Anything, nothing. Not a, worry about that. Not a damn thing. Absolutely no, not a damn thing. Here's what it means. Basically, basically what happens is the sides get together and. A proposal is made from ownership. They walk the players through. This is what we mean when we say this, 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 this. Then the sides leave the room and they get together and they talk about it. Then they come back and the players make a proposal. I've covered a lot of these. Pay no attention okay. because I know somebody said, oh, my God, the players, the meeting broke up after 30, 30 minutes. minutes. And, oh, my God, well, that's because the sides broke off so they could go and talk among themselves and think about it. Yeah. I, I cannot stress this enough. Don't. Waste a second worrying about this until February 1st. If on February 1st we're still talking about this stuff, you're two weeks away from spring training, then you can start thinking, okay. You can start scratching your head and going, okay, does that mean now spring training is going to start late in February instead of the second week? That's when you start paying attention to it. It really is when you start paying attention to it. It's hard not to pay attention to it whenever well, yeah, you're, I, when you're seeing it on social media and you, you yeah, see it on the MLB network and they say they, they, they did this, they did that, they talked for 30 minutes. So why matter. are you talking for it, 30 it, minutes? It, well, that's why we have you. It doesn't, yeah. It, it's, you've been through it before. You understand. It's, it's, just, it, it's not, it's, yeah, just don't, there's going to be a, and, and this is going to be the first stoppage with social media involved, which scares the hell out of me. I hope to hell somebody grabs Stephen Cohen's iPhone and burns it or does something with it. This is what scares the hell out of me about this. It's the only thing is that it's in the social media age. People are going to get mad at each other. I don't, I don't know if it'll be personalized. Most, most of the time, owners are smart enough to realize that at the end of the day, the players are the ones that are going to be on the field. And it, it does the, the owners no good to 
you know, to rail against the players who were sitting on the committee. And, you know, Max Scherzer was an ass in negotiations. And it does no good for anybody to say that because ultimately Max Scherzer is going to be out there and that and the fans pay to see the players. But, yeah, I'm just saying I, I don't uh, – I'm going to do an article on this for Sportsnet Thoughts. Yeah, I just don't – just relax. Like, seriously, nothing that is said over the next couple of weeks is going to mean a hill of beans unless they come to an agreement. That's just the way to that's that's a way to look at it. It's a way to look at it. It's I mean the commissioners essentially said nothing gets done until we put a deadline out there. Till we start losing in, money. In baseball. Say it like yeah. it and is. nobody's losing money. Okay. Players don't get paid in just the offseason. Yeah. Players it's it's I know John Harper will join it, but players are it's all about money. In nineteen ninety four, the players struck on August, I think it was August twelfth wasn't accidental. You know why they did that? Because they'd already collected two-thirds of their paychecks for the year. Because players get paid from the start of, from opening day to the start of the playoffs. In the playoffs, they get bonus shares. So the players <laughs> struck in August so that they could collect two-thirds of their salaries. And then put the boots to the owners. Because the game shut down in August. That's when the pennant races pick up. That's when the owners, the TV revenue, that's when it all gets important. So it's, that's what this is all about. It's all about using leverage and finding – there's a sweet spot in every negotiations where both sides have too much at risk that they just say, okay, we've we got to make a deal. And we're not, near, we're, we're not there yet. Let's bring in John Harper, uh, baseball columnist of Sportsnet New York, who's sitting there rolling his eyes because he's going, <laughs> Jesus, I, you've covered as many of these things as I have. I'm not going to ask you about the labor stuff, John. I – I always feel bad when I've got a like a, a, a an old school baseball guy on because we've all we've all been in these hung outside these meetings waiting for waiting for guys to come out and go for a piece so we can grab them, you know, grab the guys and find out what was going on in the meeting. So I I, I apologize for that. I apologize for that. Uh, the days of Donald Fair covering waiting for Donald Fair to emerge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I still have nightmares about them, Jeff. Oh, I, I do too. I, you know, the biggest nightmare is you drink so much coffee that you go to the washroom and you pick the time when Donald Fear goes out of the room to say, we just come to an agreement. <laughs> and you're, you know, anyhow. Uh, you got Max Scherzer. I, tell, me, tell me about, well, I don't know if I want to start with the Mets or the Yankees. I'm going to start with the Mets. Uh, how surprised are you in general at what we've seen from the Mets this offseason? Like, did you think that Scherzer, at the start of, of free agency, that Scherzer was really in play for the Mets? Well, the Mets always wanted him, but, uh, you know, everything, all you ever heard or read was that he wanted to stay in L.A., love the Dodgers, all that stuff. I think most of that, though, based was based on what he said last year, or his, you know, his people said last year at the deadline, he didn't want to be traded to New York because he wanted to go to L.A. He had, that, thought that was the best chance to win a championship. He really is all about winning, and I think, uh, so at some point, they sold him, obviously, $43 million a year for three years. Is what sold him, but uh, you know Steve Cohen has the money, and he sold him on this idea that he's going to spend it and uh, bring a winner to uh, New York and shares it bought. And I, it's crazy money when you think about it, considering the guy couldn't make his last start of the year in the postseason because of the tired arm. But I think for the Mets, it's worth it for so many reasons. You know, it changes the narrative. The whole thing about how nobody wanted to work for the Mets, they couldn't find a GM. You know, was Steve Cohen the problem with his tweeting and all that stuff? You bring a guy like Scherzer in. And he's, he, you know, everybody I talked to over the years covering, being around, 
they all, he, you know, he's one of the most appreciated and rep, uh, respected uh, superstars in the game for his work ethic, his intensity, his will to win, as well as his performance. So, yeah, it all came together, and I think it's a, it's a huge uh, step for the Mets. They needed the guy to be at the top of the rotation with DeGrom, especially DeGrom coming off the injury last year. John, i got to ask you about the dead arm. You, you, you brought that up, and, and when I, whenever I was a player and I, and I was around pitchers, I think I was around a couple of them in the minor leagues who had dead arm, and I can just remember that there's no blueprint. Like, there's just no way to know how to get over the dead arm. Was that? A, do you think that was a factor, or was it just basically Steven Matt's uh, you know, side ticked me off enough that I said, okay, enough's enough. I'm just going to go out and throw as much money as I can at the best pitcher in baseball, and we're going to make a run at this thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the match thing, uh, obviously Cohen tweeted about that, but he was never a guy that – the Mets only saw him as a back-end starter. He's, I mean, he's a solid guy. He had a pretty good year for the Blue Jays, but he, I think he's better off outside of New York. He's a guy who puts a lot of pressure on himself. And being back in New York, I, I think, wouldn't have been the best for him. So I think he made a smart move. I don't think the Mets were all that upset. They were upset apparently what the, kind of the way what the agent, the way the agent, they feel like misled them. But they were all in on Scherzer no matter what. Uh, the dead arm thing, I, I think, look, I think you got to be careful now. Eddie. He's 37, going to be 38 in July. You know, they, they had him come out of the bullpen to finish that NLDS against the Giants and then they started him again two or three days later. I think you got to be careful how far you push this guy. He's going to do anything to win, but uh, teams are going to have to be – the Mets are going to have to be smart in the way they use him. I don't think you can necessarily do that with a guy his age and as hard as he goes at it. So i, I got to believe that was the issue there as far as the arm kind of going dead on him. He said afterward he could have pitched game seven. He said the next day if they had, uh, if they had gotten there. So – who knows? But, yeah, I mean, it, it's a gamble that a guy his age, no doubt about it. Do you think they care who the manager, the next manager of the Mets is? Uh, this looks to me, just looks to me like from the outside looking in, they're doing this a little backwards. Like, it's just, you know, you you surround this manager, no matter who the, who the name is, probably a cheap one they could sort of, I don't want to say boss around, but I sort of do. And just surround that manager with. I thought you were on many, the Buck Showalter Express. Well, that's what I've heard, but it just would seem if it, if that was going to happen, it would have happened already. It just seems like they're trying to surround that manager with as many great players, so it's a no-brainer. Am I am I off base here? Or am I am I on the right track? Well, hey, the only cat. I think there's something to that. The only caveat I would add there is that Epler was only hired. Billy Epler as the GM was only finally hired. Uh, what what was it? A couple of weeks ago, just mm-hmm. before, <clears throat> but you know, with this, you know, the, with the lockout looming, I think when he was hired, they put they decided let's go full court press on the players right now before the lockout. Get do what we got to do there, and we'll worry about the manager after the shutdown. And I, I think in some ways that made sense because, you know, trying to hire a manager and doing that would have taken s- some of the uh, focus off the players. Um, I, I you know I. <laughs> I suggested while everybody was waiting to see if they were going to get him, you know, let Scherzer pick the manager if that's what takes <laughs> yeah. him here because uh, he's he's more important than the manager. I do think there's a chance Showalter could be the guy because Epler has some history with him mm-hmm. uh, with the Yankees and he knows him pretty well. But I kind of agree in general. You know that the trend now these days is that everybody wants a collaborative guy, a guy mm-hmm. who's going to, you know, take what the front office gives him in terms of ideas and suggestions and lineups and all that. Showalter's not that guy. So, but they, I do think I've been pounding this drum. I think they need a veteran guy, a manager. The last two guys they hired, Mickey Calloway, and then uh, Rojas, n- neither one of them were had any experience as a major league manager. 
And neither, you know, the, the team underachieved under Rojas, and Callaway was a disaster. Was a disaster. So you think now this team is built; they they're, they're trying to win right now. You think they go get a guy who's done it before? Showalter to me is the most logical guy. I just don't know if they'll if they'll do it or not. Let me throw another name out there uh, to manage the team because of the connection with Billy Appler. Do you think there's any way Mike Sosha would? would be a candidate for that job because I think he's a, I, I know he lives in California, but I think he's a Pennsylvania guy originally or a Jersey guy originally. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously you got to respect what he's done, but I, from everything I understand, you know, they didn't get along all that well when Apple okay. was first GM as the angels associate was kind of resistant to, you know, some of the new information and all that stuff. Who knows how much of that was true, but when he had the chance, Epler finally, when he had the chance to hire his own guy, he hired Brad Osmus, so mm. you would think. And, and then and then he only was there for a year. Joe Madden became available, and, and basically Artie Marino decided he wanted Joe Madden, so Osmus was out. Uh, there's been mixed reviews about his manager, manager managing in uh, both Detroit and and uh, Anaheim, so I don't know. But that is the guy. The only guy that's been connected directly to Epler is Osmus. Uh, a couple of free agents that uh, are out there, Yankees free agents of, of interest in this city. One is, of course, Marcus Stroman. I, 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 you know, I'm frankly surprised. I'm frankly surprised he hasn't already signed with the Angels. I just assumed that with Perry Manassian there, there would be, there would be some sort of connection. And you know, I don't know. I mean, I would, I'd certainly, I'd certainly have no problem giving, giving, giving Marcus a, a three or four year deal. And the other guy whose whose name kind of gets linked to the Blue Jays because he sort of profiles the thing they're looking for in some ways is Michael Conforto. What can you tell us about those those two players and what you think the market for them is? And especially in the case of Conforto, what is he as a player? <laughs> That's a great question, Jeff, because he, after what, six six or so years in New York, it's hard to say for sure because he's been really peaks and valleys throughout his career. At his best, he is you know, borderline superstar. Uh, you, you know, you've seen the potential there. He's got the power, power, full power, opposite field power, and can hit for a high average when he's, when he's going well. When he's not, like last year, he, he just never got it going for some reason, got into a habit of trying to be too much of a pull guy, and it really seemed to affect him. I think maybe he was put pressure on himself because he was going to be a free agent, but he played a good right field. Um, he's a great guy in the clubhouse, really solid guy. And the potential is there. It's just that he hasn't done it consistently enough where you can say you know for sure what you're getting. So I think that's probably the issue for teams trying to decide what he's worth. I think that was the issue for the Mets. You know, coming off last year, they just decided, you know, we're not giving him a big multi-year deal. They made him the qualifying offer, uh, but they weren't going to give him a big big multi-year deal. And, and Scott Boris, you know, you probably heard him at the GM meeting say he's got, you know, he's got big-time offers for Conforto. So we'll see. I think he, I, he's a guy that you would, I would take a chance on. It's just a matter of how much you, you know, you want to pay him. And, and, and as, about, for, as for Stroman, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask you. Go ahead. Yeah, as far as Stroman goes, uh, you know, there's a history there with the Yankees, and it's not good because you guys probably know he got upset when uh, he basically wanted to get traded to the Yankees when he came when he got traded to the Mets in what, what was that 19, I guess. Yeah. And. Uh, Cashman was eventually quoted. I don't think he intended to be quoted, but it, it came out that he told the reporter, you know, we see him basically as a guy who wouldn't even make our rotation uh, come the postseason. So, uh, and Stroman is always, he, he's, you know, he's been pretty clear about that on social media. He, uh, he's always held that against the Yankees. But 
I still think he would go there if they are if they made him an offer. But the Yankees, I, nobody's sure what they're doing. Uh, everybody thought they were going to get a big shortstop. Seager was the most seemed like the most logical because of the left-handed bat. But obviously he's gone now, and uh, it, they put out kind of put out word they don't want to go with a big-time contract for a shortstop because they have this Aaron Judge contract looming. He's a free agent next year, and they already have the big deals with Stanton and Cole. How many of those can you fit, even for the Yankees? So everybody's kind of waiting, wondering what they're going to do, um, whether they end up going for Anderson Simmons or something like that. But Stroman, you know, he really had a solid year for the Mets. He uh, he was very consistent. The only kind of the only knock on him is he didn't go deep into games. He averaged between five and six innings for start. Um, but you know, he's been durable throughout his career, and you would think somebody is going to pay him pretty good money to to uh, bring him aboard. I think he was still in play with the Mets, but they, they obviously saw Scherzer as a better alternative. John, really good of you to join us. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, John. Okay, guys. Good talking to you. Be well. That's John Harper, uh, baseball columnist with Sportsnet New York and a longtime baseball columnist at the New York Daily News. And he and Bob Klappish written a couple books yeah. on the Mets. I, I, I don't hilarious. think that, I, the, the Mets are an interesting story. The, the owner there is just going to throw as much money as he has to throw to win a championship. May not he be is the year. richest. By the way, he is the richest owner in baseball. Yeah, I, somebody asked me that the other day, who the richest owner in baseball is. It's it's hard to tell. You know, everybody thinks everybody's rich. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he and, uh, and, and Ted Lerner I, of the Nationals. I just think it's funny how easy he is to levels. tick off. It took Stephen Matz's side. It, it, it did. Him to come out and say, okay, enough of this is enough. He'll try and buy a championship, and sooner or later he'll do it. It's the, the Yankee side of it, I just don't think, is an easy fix. They, they have a lot of issues. They're just not athletic. Mm-hmm. And you can say what you want about the catcher, and they don't have enough pitching. Just everyday players, besides their right fielder, it's just not athletic enough. It's just not. Like, they don't have enough athleticism to make up for woes that they may have throughout the season. And I don't know how you fix it. Unless you draft good, and and draft takes time, and what New York teams a lot of the times don't have is time, and that's that'll be an interesting thing for me anyway to see how Brian Cashman because I don't think Brian Cashman has a lot of time either. Do you? No, I. Don't. I and and more to the point, I'm not certain. I wonder at some point if there isn't something else Brian Cashman wants to do. He's not an old man, like he's not an old dude. He's you know he's. He, He's a young guy. I mean, he, he walks up buildings for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he does all that, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I I often wonder if at some point Brian Cashman just doesn't step back and and is there another is there another gig for me? You know, whether it's an expand and I still think we're going to have an expansion team in baseball at some point soon. But. Bottom you're, line is the Yankees haven't won forever. Yeah, you're, you're, That's the bottom well, line. Yeah, the, you're right yeah. about the Yankees. They haven't. No. The, we, you know, it, there are people out there who seem to think that the Yankees have won the last 12 World Series. And they haven't. And and more to the point, you know, they're they're fundamentally flawed. It, it's, it's not a situation where you look at some of the Yankees teams of recent years and go, wow, they had some bad luck. And you, no, they're fundamentally flawed. Yeah. They don't have enough pitching. And, and they've... They're in a situation now where they've got 300 million. Is it 300 million in in Garrett Cole? They've got they got a lot of money in Garrett Cole. They got a lot of money in Giancarlo Stanton. They're going to have a lot of money in Aaron Judge because you can't let Aaron Judge go. That would be letting Aaron Judge go would be like letting Derek Jeter walk yep. halfway through his career. And that that it's not going to happen in New mm-hmm. York. 
It's not going to happen in New York. The secret to the Yankees when they were winning all those World Series was that they made proper decisions on their own players, right? We've talked about this a lot. They didn't move Derek Jeter to the outfield when he was making 50 errors in the minors, despite the fact some scouts said he's never going to play shortstop. They decided on Bernie Williams over Roberto Kelly. They decided on Andy Pettit over Sterling Hitchcock. They, 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 they stuck with Jorge Posada. All these moves happened where the Yankees made the right call on their core players. Now, then they went out and spent. Then they added free agents, right? And then they made trades to bring guys in. And, and I really think that when we leave everything else aside, the difference between the Yankees now and the thing that is standing in the way of this Yankees team being a success compared to the other Yankees team is they let Robinson Cano walk. They, or was that a trade? Anyway, Robinson Cano left. Was it a trade, Mark? Free agent, thank you. R- Robinson Cano left. Gary Sanchez... They're keeping him around because they don't want him to go to somebody else and, and they'll and, pay for him. And hit 68 and bombs. Exactly. exactly. But they screwed that up. They've, they've completely, I think, I think they've wrecked Labor Torres' career. They're doing all this, all this stuff they did so well when they were good is not working anymore. And, and that is, I don't, know how you, I don't know how you get around that. It suggests to me that there's something... There's something fundamentally wrong with how the Yankees are currently evaluating players. And, you know, maybe it's, I, I don't know if it's, it's the Steinbrenner family, Hal Steinbrenner. I don't know if he's, if he's more hands-on than his dad was, or it's a different type of hands-on, but I just don't have, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't have confidence in the Yankees winning the division this year. I just don't. Uh, I just don't think they're that good. And when's the last time, you know, John talked about this. The Yankees have a couple of good shortstop prospects that are two years away. When's the last time we've talked about the Yankees and saying, boy, wait until that guy gets up here in two years. Mm-hmm. He's going to be good. I think there's a, I, I think there's a lot going on with that org, <clears throat> with that organization. Um, and, and, and I, if if it's me, if I'm running the Yankees, I would have cleaned house this year. I would have gotten rid of the Whoa. general manager. I would have gotten rid of the manager. I would have brought somebody in. And one of the things I would have told the new general manager is, I don't care what you have to do, but when the season starts, I don't want, and I'm not picking on Giancarlo Stanton, mm-hmm. but I would say when the season starts, I don't want Stanton and Judge in the same lineup. Whatever you have to do, however much money you have to kick in, you got to move Giancarlo Stanton. That's what I would do if I were the Yankees. I'd come in and I'd, I'd say, not necessarily blow it up, but I'd want some moves made. Yeah, I just think it's very hard for, for a team like the Yankees to be having players, especially in their infield, who one day they're playing third, the next day they're playing second, well, the next day correct. they're playing shortstop, one day they're playing first, the next day he's playing second. Like, it just doesn't work on really good teams. Sometimes it does. You find lightning in a bottle to where you have a bunch of guys all buying in and can do those kind of things. But for me, at least, special players need to figure out who they are See, on an everyday basis, and it's the Yankees. And you like, know- you, 
I just don't get that. And you know what that says to me? That is part of the reason that I don't want to see the Blue Jays start moving Bo Bichette. Uh, it, it, they may be in on a guy like Trevor Story. You know what I'm doing, Trevor Story? I'm saying you're playing third or second for us. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, gonna, you're, you're not going to be a shortstop. Sure. And, and I think there's kind of a cautionary tale there with 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 Glaber Torres in particular, because everybody talks. Everybody wants to be versatile and play 14 different positions. Maybe Gabriel Marino as well. Everybody wants to be versatile. It, look, every individual is different. Some guys take to it. Some guys can play multiple positions. It doesn't matter to them. But man, when when I have a guy like like Bo, I just I just say, learn to play shortstop. And you know what? I'll give you four years. And if you stink after four years, mm-hmm. or you're and and by stink I mean if you're making forty errors a year, yeah. then we'll sit down and have the discussion. But I just think for me sometimes it's easy for GMs to spend money, write big giant checks. Anybody sure. can do that. You can find anybody on the street to come in and write big giant checks for Garrett Cole. It's the little moves to make you more athletic, to to make you more versatile when it comes to Right, you have your your fourth outfielder. That guy can play all three positions. A great defender. You know, yeah. you, you give Aaron Hicks what the, almost sixty million. But I was going to say, I'll tell you. Place. But I'll, I'll tell you what, though, that is that that's a great point. The Yankees used to make the call. The, all the calls they made and dudes like Aaron Hicks worked out. Yeah, that's a, that. That's another good point. Yeah, it's not just like the Giancarlo Stantons and the judges and that. The Yankees used to make the right call. Bring a guy in, and that, and they'd get a couple of years out of the guy. See, Stan has always got a place on my team because when he's hot, yeah. he can carry your team for a month at a time. But I can't have him playing left, and yeah, you know, it's and well, and the thing is, you know, when I'm paying, Jim, I, I need Giancarlo Stanton to do more than carry me for a month. Like I can get Michael Conforto to carry me for three weeks or a month. If, if I got Giancarlo Stanton, you got to carry you, you got to carry me for a year. If you're if I'm paying you that much money, you got to carry me for a year. I can find somebody to carry me for a month. I can platoon and have somebody carry me for a month. You got to carry me for a year. Yeah, I think with the shift, him being as big as he is, you're asking a little bit too much. I get your point when you're paying that much money. But it's not his fault that they're paying him that much money. Oh, I'm not blaming. You want, you want an MVP? No, no, never, get the ball never, to the moon? I never blame. I, I never blame a player for the money they get because somebody was dumb enough to give him I, that much money. I think it was David Sampson. Somebody was, you know, somebody gave him that money, and that's yeah. fine. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Play, pay the players what they want. But what I'm saying is that doesn't mean that you can't look at a contract and say that stinks. How do you think? It does anything about the Corey player. Seager deal is going to look five years from now? Yeah, it's, it's. I, I'm just saying, when you look at the Yankees and you look all the DJ LeMahieu is playing all over the field, really? Yeah, well, like, like really? That's a perfect. That's a perfect I, I just, point. I just don't get it. Like it's the Yankees. Like, uh, how do you get good at something? You do it all the time, over and over and over and over again. You don't ask a guy. I know because they had injuries, and you know, DJ said, "Okay, I'll raise my hand, and I'll play third, and I'll play second, and I'll play first. Does he really want to play that? Yeah. Is that you're getting the fullest? Maybe he struggled offensively, not only because he was injured. Maybe he's injured because he's playing all these different positions. It's not his fault. Is my point. And maybe they're looking at the wrong. Maybe it's not just the player's fault. Maybe it's the person making all the decisions' fault. That's all. Yeah. The uh, Jays will formally announce Kevin Gossman today. There will be a three o'clock Zoom conference call. Ross Atkins will also be on it. Imagine there will be a ton of questions of Ross at three o'clock. That'll be will be eight hours away from from the uh, 
from the uh, uh, lockout deadline at that point in time. Uh, it is uh, John Heyman tweeting up, by the way, that you know, he's he's spoken to some general managers who said who's a, who, who who have essentially said, look, if something if nobody signed now, it's going to be hard to get somebody signed before the before the deadline because the deadline is now uh, we're we're just twelve hours away, and we've talked about how there's paperwork involved and medicals and and, and things of that nature. Uh, but there does seem to be some talk out there that there we may see some trades made. Um, John Heyman talking about the Reds. Uh, interested in moving Sonny Gray. I've got to think the Blue Jays. I've, I've, I've got it. Luis Castillo. I've, listen, I, I think I think Pablo Lopez, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray. Those are the types of guys the Blue Jays have to be talking about in terms of trades if they're going to be talking about trading for a pitcher. Uh, but uh, I, my yeah. my sense is my sense is you won't see trades made until the new CBA is in place. Because here's the thing. If the new CBA, we talked about the the luxury tax, if it's dropped, if there's a salary floor, if the world changes after the new CBA, if you are one of those teams that just spent a gazillion dollars signing a free agent, you may be sitting there saying, okay, that's, well, now we owe $30 million. We got to start making yeah. some moves. You may see a team like Texas, Texas is a bad example, maybe a team like Seattle, they may have to look at things and go, you know what? We got to start moving some players now to make this all work out. So I think that might be a reason that you haven't seen a lot of trades. I use the Yankees as an example. The Yankees are going to make a big move. They may be in a position where they have to trade somebody before they make a big move. And on the flip side of that's the Guardians. And that third baseman that a bunch of teams won't. If, oh, they, yeah. have to, if they have to go higher with the payroll, oh, somewhere in the 40 range, yep. and you got to spend 30 or 40 more million, you ain't trading that guy. Yeah. No, that 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 is a, that's... That's a great point. That that is a great point. There is a value right now to for, to their team for a guy like Jose Ramirez. So that's kind of where we are. As we mentioned, we're about twelve hours away, a little more than twelve hours away from the expiry of the CBA. We'll take a break and come back with more. This is Blair and Barker. I'm Blair. He's Barker. Sportsnet five ninety. The fan. All right, so I shouldn't do this. So don't. Okay. It is that time of the year where I check uh, my Spotify rap list, right? You know, you have songs that it's, uh, they keep track of the songs that you've played, et cetera, et cetera. I had a crap year. (laughs) I had a crap year. There's no other way to put it. Are you ready to hear my five top songs? Mm. What if I said no? Okay. This is really embarrassing, but I like embarrassing myself. (laughs) God almighty. Number one is Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue. There it is. Jesus. Number two is Roxanne by The Police. That's okay. Sure it is. Number three, and this is no surprise to you because, you know, I, I come in humming this all the time. Southern Cross by Crosby, Stills, and... Every day. Number four, this is good. This is solid. This gives you some cred. Funky Kingston by Toots and the Maples. Yeah. That's yeah. good. So there you go. We got the reggae there. 
And number five, I'm just not going to tell you what number five is. <laughs> number five is, yeah. Number five would undo all the good that. You uh, have to tell us. No. You told you, you made us sit through one through four. It doesn't matter. Tell us five. No. no. Tell us. No. Nope. Hey, we are going to be carrying the Kevin Gosman news conference live today. Right here on Sportsnet 590, the fan. I guess I'm going to stick around to do. Mm. So we'll be carrying the Kevin Gosman News Conference live, and uh, we'll probably have snippets of it on our podcast and our show on Thursday as well, because <laughs> if they're in a lockout, <laughs> might not have much else to talk about. Uh, no, Ross Atkins will also be there today, so it stands to reason that he'll get about two questions on Kevin Gosman and about 14 on the players he hasn't signed or wants to sign. And who knows? Maybe they'll do something. Maybe they'll do something by, uh, mm. no, they have until three o'clock to do something. Maybe they'll announce Freddie Freeman. You're just, just. <laughs> Let me dream, right? Uh, Let me dream. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a. Springer, Freeman. Oh, just Vladdy. Stop Vladdy. There. Stop there. Teoscar be hitting fifth for you. Teoscar. Lourdes, I'd take Lourdes Scurriel. inside out and the ball to right center. Who it doesn't matter who the hell's at second base. Could be you. Could be yeah. me. Well, it won't be well, me. I wish it was me. Yeah. I'd be the first left-handed thrower that played second base every day. Hitting 12th for the Blue Jays. Third base, who cares? Danny Jansen catching. Yeah. It's funny that Steven Matz said I, he loved Throw into Danny Jansen. Yes, it was interesting. He made, he made it a point to throw that in there. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah, and also that he's he's kept in touch with uh, he's kept in touch with Danny Jansen uh, during the off season. Yeah, and and Danny, when we had Danny on yesterday, he mentioned that he'd he'd uh, he'd he'd been in touch with all the guys who'd who'd signed elsewhere with Simeon and uh, and Ray and and Matt's. And look, it's it's yeah, I know when we we talk about all the time about replacing the replacing the skills that are lost, right? Replacing Robbie Ray's innings, replacing Robbie Ray's stuff, replacing Steven Matz's innings, replacing Marcus Stroman's home runs, et cetera, et cetera. But mm -hmm. those are three, well, two of them, those are two pretty guys who've been, those are two pretty key guys in terms of clubhouse dynamics. And I don't know about Matt. Steven Matt seemed, I'm not saying he was a bad guy. He seemed like, obviously, like he fit in. But you saw a lot of Marcus Semyon. And we saw how emotional Bo Bichette was at the end of the year when he was asked about the possibility that Marcus Semyon may not be back and talked about how much he meant to him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Robbie Ray was, a, when he was here, was a very giving guy. You know, guys pick you we saw the shot in the, the dugout all the time. Guys are always talking to Robbie Ray and, and and um that is something that you know, I don't think you can quantify it analytically, but it is a bit of a factor here, I think. Makes a good clubhouse winning. When you win, your best players are playing the best. Yeah, they but you can know, but you play. also that's and, why everybody and, was surrounding Robbie Ray, because right, Robbie yeah, Ray was but also dominating Kevin, but, people. Hey, but let's be clear. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that Robbie Ray and Marcus Semyon, when they signed last year, I'm sure they knew what was up with the border and everything yeah. like that. I, I, I really wonder if they, if they kind of knew what they signed up for. 
And not only did they make the best of it, as, as I said about Marcus Semyon, for a guy who was here for a year, yeah, he has he he made. And I, yeah. I talked to somebody at the organization about this two days ago, just just in passing. I just said because mm. everybody says Marcus Simmons a good. He said his impact in two years, yeah, is going to be felt Let, for four or five years down the let's, road. Let's not lie, Mar- Marcus Simmons in my eyes got two more years on that deal because he played in Dunedin Buffalo for half a year. He hit some home runs in Dunedin Buffalo. Sure, that's fair. That that's probably fair. weren't fair. big ones in big league parks. So. I'm not saying he didn't have an unbelievable year. I'm not, I'm not downplaying right. that whatsoever. But you can't tell me that him playing in, in minor league ballparks and hitting some balls that probably ain't leaving other places that got him paid a couple of more years. You, you could say that. And I'm just saying, it, it's. I used to try and play. I was a better teammate when I was good at it. When I was bad at it, you probably didn't want to hang out with me. Right. Just a fact. Yeah, but but I also I also think that there is that that aspect here that that I mean you know you've been in clubhouses there is a clubhouse life you're with these guys 160 you're well, more than 162 that's how many games you play you're with them a long time yeah you see the bad and a lot yes you do and yeah. and you are uh, you're gonna need I'm mean, not gonna say you don't need somebody to step up and do what Marcus Semyon did but. I think where the Jays are right now, I think you got to be careful about who you bring in. I think that I, th- I don't. I, think I don't that, think you just. I don't think you just. It's got to be quality. Drop somebody there. Got to be quality. They they play good. If and maybe if that's the point. Decent human. You know what is remarkable? How often a quality player is a quality person, right? Because yeah, when you, yeah, it's, it's a lot easier to be a quality person when you're hitting 345, isn't it? There you go. Because you know when you're hitting 345, you're going to make money. Yeah. You're it's a lot re- easier to feel good about yourself and about everybody gonna have, else. You're going to have a job for a very long time. And, you know, when you're on the bubble and you're not doing so well and you're not getting a ton of playing time, it's, it's just funny whenever you pan over and people are hanging out with Ryu and Ray. Well, those two were having decent years. Ryu had some ups, ups and downs and Ray won a Cy Young. It's you know, I'm not going to go up to a guy offensively who stinks and can't hit a ball out of the infield. Help I'm not going to go ask him about Hey, how do, you, how do you do that? I don't want to know how to do that. So I'm going to go hang out with the guy that's breaking. I can do that on my own. Absolutely. That hurts. I can do that on my own. But it's true. No, I'm not talking about I'm saying no, in general. True. Yeah, it is. I can, it's I can, true. I do that a lot. You know, I don't I don't need somebody to tell me how to not There you hit. go. So it's, it's worked both ways. I just think for me anyway, the Blue Jays organization, it's not all about being a good person. It's being a quality player first can help this team get there. And then because you're surrounded by all these really good air quote people, they're going to rub off on you if you're not that person. So as we sit here at 1145, on Wednesday, and you know, as we said, we could be very, uh, very much walking into a lockout. Let's assume the Jays don't do anything else. Let's uh, today. So far, what grade would you give the off season? Understanding, understanding, understanding that there's going to be another bat. There's going to be another bullpen arm, at least. They're, they're going to be more ads. To this point. They're just are. To this Great point. to this point. To this point. C plus. Wow. You're a tough marker. I am. It's, again, I've said this to you, and I'll continue to say it. It's easy for a GM to go spend money. I, I could do that. You could do that. Yimmy Garcia. Oh, I like that. I just saw him play. 
in a World Series. He, look, I, if you keep him out of the ninth inning, he's going to give you a solid outing most of the time he's there. And obviously the guy that's probably your number two, I can give him a hundred and $10 million. It's the little, it's the little things. Now you, now what if you can't go out and trade for that guardian's third baseman? How are you going to fill that spot? Are the two guys you already got here who are once lefty, once righty, are they good enough? You confident enough them playing second? You need one more arm. You need one more quality starter. Quality means when he's throwing, he gives you a chance. Doesn't have to be 180 innings. If he gives you 135 innings, 100 of those are quality. That's my point. It's those little moves. Again, you go up to an owner and go, here's $145 million. You could write that check, couldn't you? No, I could write it. You could write it. Joe from Etobicoke could write it. It's the little things. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying their team. Is their team better today than it was the end of last year? No. So that's why you can't give. How would you give many higher than a C plus? Could you? I mean, I look at it this way. I guess it depends on your, on your expectations. Um, I expected, I thought best case scenario, they signed one of the two. I kind of expected they wouldn't sign either of them. Um, just because I thought I, as, as was right, I thought they, I thought Marcus Simeon would get more money and more years someplace else. And I thought Robbie Ray would get more money and more years. No way you could give Simeon seven years. And both they didn't. No, no way. No. But anyhow, I, so given the fact that this team lost Steven Matz, lost Marcus Semyon, and lost Robbie Ray. I, I, and I've been very clear that my priority in the offseason was signing Jose Barrios. That's done. I got him for, I don't have to worry about my opening day starter for the next six years. I like the fact that they pivoted off the AL Cy Young Award winner, got another guy that they like, got another guy that the analytics like, that they moved preemptively and signed Kevin Gossman before the Robbie Ray stuff was actually done. I th- that 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 was smart. That because there have been front offices here that would not have done that. So that was smart. I give them credit for that. They were disciplined. They made a decision removed from like it would have been very good emotionally for or easy for Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro to go, you know what, man, Robbie Ray, we love Robbie Ray. He's our guy. We changed his career. Pete Walker loves him. We love him so much. Let's maybe just wait this out more. Yeah. I like the fact that they said, here's what we're going to pay. And Robbie Ray wasn't going to accept that. So they said, okay, here's who we can get in for that. And it's a guy that we talked to. It's a guy that we have some history with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that, you know, Yimmy, to me, Yimmy Garcia is, uh, yeah, he's, 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 he's a better arm. I'd rather have him than, than Anthony Castro. Solid. He's solid. Mm-hmm. See, I give him so far. I give him, I would give them a B. Maybe even a B plus Whoa. because I like the way they filled in for losing a Cy Young winner. And and, and 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 I think that plus Barrios makes this offseason a success. And and I it, my sense, my sense is that as I've said, we're gonna see a, another bat in this this lineup. 
we may we're going to see I think maybe a lower rotation arm and we'll see some more relief pitching in here. I, I think they've set themselves up really well. Like if this is if this is where it ends before the lockout, they've left themselves in really good position for whatever happens during the lockout. They position themselves nicely. There's going to be a lot of players out there. They still have players to trade. You know, who knows who is going to be trading what player when this sure. when this thing is done? Yeah. Like, talked about teams. Again, I'm just going to use, what if a team like Seattle? Bad example. I don't know. Yeah, I'll use Seattle anyhow. I'll use the Phillies. Mm-hmm. What if something happens in the CBA talks the Phillies go, okay, Jesus, now we got to do something. Now, now we got to make this move. Now we got to... We got to look at moving this guy. The Jays have also positioned themselves that if the trade market suddenly expands for whatever reason, they can be players in that. I, I think it's been a really smart offseason. I think it's been a really smart offseason. Yeah, I think the Gosman and the Robbie Ray thing was super smart. We'll, we'll give you an opportunity to go do what you have to do. Here's the time frame. Once that time frame comes, we're moving on. And you know the other thing? And they I, moved on. I know we just got a few minutes here. We haven't really talked about this. There is a Toronto thing about free agents, and it's not just baseball. It generally ends badly. Let's let's focus on baseball for a minute. Jose Batista, that didn't end the way anybody wanted it to. Mm. Roy Halladay. Roy Halladay turned down a contract extension here. He was traded. Josh Donaldson, that didn't end the way anybody wanted it to. Carlos Delgado. Best hitter the Jays, one of the best hitters in the history of the, one of the best homegrown hitters the Jays have had, you know, these two guys. Mm. They didn't even get a draft pick for him. They let him walk for nothing. It generally doesn't end well for big name players in Toronto. And what have we seen now? We've seen Marcus Semien sign elsewhere. We've seen Steven Matz, not a big name player, but we've seen Steven Matz say, hey, I got guys calling me about pitching in Toronto. I'm going to sell the city. I'm going to sell them on the city. Robbie Ray, good thoughts about Toronto. We know what Marcus Semyon has thought about Toronto. That's something else that needs to be said here. Is it this, this, the relationship with these players seems to be ending on a positive note. Nobody's throwing anybody under the bus. That has not happened traditionally with the Blue Jays. It's always been kind of a messy divorce with hard feelings. That hasn't happened this year. Yeah, the three guys just That's important. Got, three guys you just mentioned got paid. If, yeah, they, hadn't, yeah, if they hadn't gotten paid, yeah, they Carlos might Del, be whistling Carlos Delgado team. got paid. Oh, well, it's Josh the, Donaldson yeah, got paid eventually. The, the, the Donaldson thing, we, we, we know why that yeah, was. Yeah, but but my point is, Kevin, that that that, that it, it, it generally ends badly. It generally ends. Edwin went on and got paid. Yeah. It, it generally, Roy Halladay went on and got paid, but it generally ends badly. Badly in Toronto. I think Mark and Ross is trying to get, they're trying to, they're trying to establish a winner. Exactly. You get a they're winner, trying to people will come here. Exactly. They're coming here because they're going to get paid. Exactly. They're winning. It's fun. The crowds, you got the bow flow. All you ever hear Mark yeah. and Ross talk about, and I know people roll their eyes, but there's a reason for this. Whenever they talk about free agent, a free agent at the end of the year, what, you, what do you hear Mark and Ross say? Well, it's a right that the players earn. We understand that they're exercising the right. And people roll their eyes and go, come on, why don't you guys just say free agency screw in the Blue Jays and yada, yada. There's a very respectful, very businesslike approach this front office takes with guys that really, 
you know, all the grief Ross and Mark took about Cleveland North and all that, there's no, there isn't a front office in recent years that has done as good a job selling Toronto on players as this front office has. Yeah, I love Alex Anthopoulos. He had to give, he had to give, he had to give Russell Martin an extra year and more money to get yeah. him to return to Canada. This front office has done a really good job selling people on the city, on the team, on the organization. And one of the ways they do that is by how they treat people who are leaving the market. Yeah. That's a big change that's really important when you're trying to create a culture of winning and when you're trying to create a culture that creates room for players to come in and feel comfortable and have success. Anyhow, end of lecture. You're going to be back tomorrow? Will you let me? I will. It's been Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.